0: Welcome to a special edition of is Brandon Thoughts, our podcast here at from the Hawkeye of the Storm. It's week two eleven, and I'm joined by a familiar face. The reason it's a special edition is because we got a guy who's we've had on the show several times in the past. It's Frank Henderson. He's the uncle of uh, Tony Perkins, and of course, you got the TP swag gear on right now, Frank. You're sporting it loud and proud. And uh, we're coming as we record this show on the 30th of January. We're coming off a, an impressive victory over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. So, first of all, before we get down to the nitty gritty, this is going to be 30 to 40 minutes of Hawkeye basketball, not just about Tony in the backcourt, but just Hawkeye hoops. Appreciate you taking the time. And uh, what have your winter months been like back
1: home in uh, the great state of Indiana? Man. Thank you, Corey. It's a pleasure. You're back on the Hawkeye of the storm. Go Hawks all day, every day. Um, this winter has been very interesting. I mean, it's been a, a mild winter as far as weather wise for us, but uh Even for our Hawkeyes, man, I mean, it's been a, it's been a, it's been an okay season. It hasn't been terrible. It's been good. You know, we're we're winning games and there's some games we should, should win, but I'm not complaining. I think we'll be okay by Big Ten turning.
0: What's been your schedule? I mean, you and I have talked off the air a little bit, but I mean, like, how many games have you made it to? I know you're scheduled to go to the Purdue game Mm -hmm. and, the Northwestern game. Thankfully, Iowa gets to play Well, I shouldn't say thankfully because you don't want to play Purdue on the road ever. But uh, f- from a proximity standpoint, you're going to get to see Tony in person, Northwestern and Purdue. You've made it back to Iowa city. How many times this season?
1: Uh, I've been to Iowa city, a record number three times in the first semester, you know, typically right. I go about twice a year. I go once first semester, second. I mean, you know, it's another time, second semester, typically black and gold day, which okay. I think is Illinois, um this year i'm not attending that game so i I, i'll miss that game so i'm i might be done visiting iowa this this year you know but i'll catch a lot of road games though
0: as much as you probably miss your nephew and watching this team in person (laughs) Carver, the cold weather you're not a fan of you you and i were talking about that prior to the, the start of this show so there's a difference people don't realize there's a difference between indiana cold and iowa cold and you've uh you've experienced
1: that firsthand yeah i'm like what why is Iowa so cold i mean i know we're by what nebraska we're by minnesota but it's like god is this canada air like what is this like is this this a different type of cold you know
0: my guess is it's also hotter here when you get into the dead i mean it's just extreme here all year long And <laughs> i mean I, i'm not giving iowans anything new to mull over but uh yeah it's it, we're we're another probably month and a half at least of this and then hopefully we can get some semi-spring weather before we snap into summer heat and humidity um so let's talk about Iowa hoops Frank uh the Hawkeyes coming off a 93-82 victory over Rutgers how about a season sweep Rutgers was I mean second place in the Big Ten prior to that game and uh, they've given up the most points they've, they've given up all season to the Hawkeyes in their two yep. losses to Iowa um, Iowas backcourt is in an interesting place right now. You've got emergence of Josh Dix. Um, you've got Aaron Eulis playing the best ball of his young career. I say young career. He's a junior now. And then you got Tony, who had a big game against Maryland. He's gone through some struggles here, but he put up eleven and seven against Rutgers. And we always hear guards win championships. I know you're biased towards TP, but can you give me an idea where you stand? what 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 are your thoughts on? This uh, developing backcourt that Fran McCaffrey has going here and heading into the month of February.
1: The 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 beauty thing, the beautiful thing behind Iowa is that they have so many weapons. Like I don't think Iowa or anybody else in the Big Ten is as deep as Iowa goes. You know, I think when you look at Purdue, they have that. They have uh, Bailey. They have Edie. Uh, they have a couple strong guys. Probably a good strong starting five. But as far as Iowa tapping into their bench and guys being ready to play, like uh, Josh Diggs. Um Peyton, of course. Um, Patrick coming back. Um, I think we're 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 set to almost repeat the Big Ten title. And I'm speaking very strong on that because again, when it comes to the Big Ten and how you line up the schedule, I think Iowa can can definitely showcase their their talents. And the and that was one of our biggest favors of last year's Big Ten was uh, the day who we matched up. We matched, I think we played who Rutgers first. No, we played Northwestern first.
0: Western, Rutgers, Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue.
1: Indiana. Mind you, it's all about seeding when it comes to Big Ten. Playing Northwestern, got, our, got us warmed up. Rutgers, got us going. IU, I mean, IU is personal. You know, once we got to Purdue, we knew it was ours. So, again, I think we're in that same situation we were in last year, minus Keegan Murray, but we got Chris Murray, who's definitely a star player. I think we'll be okay. I think this season is is going to be a, a great season for us.
0: You mentioned Northwestern. I mean, now with the the victory over Rutgers on uh, Sunday, Mm -hmm. Northwestern is now um, alone in second place in the Big Ten Conference. How about this? So, Iowa beating the second place team on Sunday. I know there was, I believe they were in a tie prior to that game, but now you get Northwestern, who this game was postponed from what a week and a half ago due to a COVID issue with the Wildcats program. They appear to be healthy. I don't know, full strength, but they are healthy now at least to the extent that they're going to be able to suit up and come to Iowa City on Tuesday. This is a quick turnaround for Iowa, quickest you're going to see basically all year besides tournament play. And, of course, they did play in that two-day tournament down in Florida. Your experience, you're a former uh, D1 athlete. Your experience with these quick turnarounds, and you've also done some uh, AAU coaching. Quick turnarounds, that's a whole different animal for a coach and for players. (laughs) How do you deal with that?
1: Uh, As long as nobody's hurt, nobody's injured, nobody's hurt. We're not having any... Nagging injuries. I think Patrick coming back and getting his feet wet the last game was huge. And to your point about Rutgers, if we look statistically, Rutgers, I think, is what the the lowest scoring Big Ten team, average scoring Big Ten team, but they also have the best defense, I've guess, or holds the team to the best. But hey, pretty close. It's it's, it's somewhere around there. But again, if you're not putting points on the board, you're not going to win games. You know, that's just something they got to work towards and get through. But back to our, our comment, but – I'm sorry, your question. Patrick McCaffrey returning will be our biggest X factor because, A, he's another scorer. B, he's long. He's 6'7". seven. defensive presence another guy to rebound. So I think we'll be we'll be good against Northwestern with the turnaround.
0: Northwestern's a weird one. I mean, they lost a lot last year. They lost pieces. to I, mean, I lost Pete Nance. They yes. lost a guy to yes. Duke, and they lost a guy to North Carolina. And here they are in second place at the Big Ten Conference. So this is a weird situation with the transfer yeah. portal and Chris Collins. I mean, his job, you you could argue his job was on the line, him and Fred Hoiberg both. And, and I wish the best for Fred is his, his yeah. season. I mean, Nebraska, certainly his standing with as a Nebraska head coach, I think, is mm-hmm. still very much up in the air. But Chris Collins has done a tremendous job with this somewhat green roster. And I mean, Iowa, they have traditionally played well against Chris Collins coach teams. They. I mean, domination is not even uh, enough to describe what they did in the tournament against Northwestern right. last year. But mm-hmm. it's just amazing. We're in a stretch right now with the three straight games. We're talking Rutgers, Northwestern, and Illinois. They're three home games. Mm-hmm. You could argue Iowa's season hangs in the balance here, Frank, because heading into the Rutgers game, they're back under 500. Mm-hmm. I know Mike deCourcy of uh, Fox Sports had Iowa as an 11 seed. Joe Lenardi, I think, is a little bit higher on the Hawks. Where do you see Iowa as it relates to tournament play, tournament seating, the bubble right now, and how important
1: are these next couple of games? Uh, they're very important. I mean, I think starting off with a win against Illinois is going to really dictate the rest of the season. I mean, I think Iowa and Illinois is a rivalry game, and I saw Illinois play right before Iowa did back at the Garden when Iowa played Duke. And Illinois looked tough, man. They, they, they are a hard-nosed team. They're, they're, they're a fighting team. Just like Iowa. I mean, we're hard-nosed and we're not going to give up. We're going to fight until the end. So I think this Saturday will almost be like a blood I mean, it's going to dictate who's going to be the more physical team, who's going to be more resilient, who's going to spark at the right time. I think having, you know, um, Josh Dix come in, hit a couple of threes. Aaron Uless is playing at the top of his game right now. Tony's going to step his game up for sure. Um, Connor. It's going to be a collective battle between these teams. But starting off with Illinois will kind of lead us into I think we play – Northwestern again at Northwestern, and then we go into playing Purdue. Um, and, and, and Purdue is going to be one of those games to where I think free is going to really test and see, okay, where is this team at as far as um, being disciplined and knocking down shots, hitting free throws, doing everything that's right, taking charges. So starting off with, again, Northwestern, we can't take them lightly because they hold the ranks right now. But then again, we'll be tested, and he'll see exactly where he's at. Um, come Illinois, and then Purdue. So I think going into the, I think you're right. These three next three games are very important.
0: And holding serve at home in this conference is just so hard to to play on the road and, and to win on the road. And Purdue, I mean, I I said this before we jumped on here. I did not expect Zach Eady to be this good. Um, I mean, he was good last year, he was good the year before that. But I mean, his maturation physically and his ability to stay on the court for longer periods of time. And he is skilled. I mean, he's not just a big dude. Um, He's not Isaac Haas. I just rip on Isaac Haas. (laughs) He was, he he was a beast because of his size and had some skill, but boy, Zach Eady, he's been compared to a a poor man's Yao Ming, maybe not even a poor man's Yao Ming. He is a big thirty eight skill set.
1: He had 38. I think last game wasn't I think 38, 13, I mean, those are big time stats. I mean, I think for Zach Eady is the confidence. Remember the Big Ten uh, pre-conference show they had when, you know, each coach can take a player or two to the Big Ten yeah. pre-conference in Chicago? Purdue only came with one player, and they came with who? I'm assuming Eady. That was it? So that tells you everything. Everything's going to flow through Eady. Edie. Edie's going to touch the first time coming down the court. Eady's the go-to guy. So if your coach says, hey, I'm only taking you to this pre-game conference, that lets you know, hey, it's your time to shine because again, you had Ivy, you had Hunter, you had Williams—terrific ball players—and now is your time. So that lets you know right there what what Painter's up to, you know. So Edie is at the f- full confidence; his team is surrounding him with with shooters and role players. So Purdue is, is rolling right now, but again, it's Edie's time. I think right now Edie is probably the—I would say—best player in the Big Ten right now. This
0: is about the time of year last year, Frank, where iowa started to round into to form and of course they capped off a terrific run with a win over purdue in the big 10 tournament Mm -hmm. um you know the the question has been asked can iowa get that rhythm again of course you're down i mean this is a different looking team without joe Toussaint, without keegan murray without Jordan Mm -hmm. bohannon what's the key for iowa to be able to have the type of february that gets them into a a groove to where they can compete not only in the big 10 tournament but in a tournament instead of tournament that they've uh, struggled in in the past. What's the key to getting that,
1: building that momentum now? Being ready. I think we're building momentum in other areas, again, outside of our starters. Um, Josh Dix, momentum starter. Peyton Stanford, momentum starter. And most importantly, I think one of the most aggressive guys on the Iowa team will have to be Tony. I think once Tony is going, I think you're not talking about this backstage. It seems like when he's going – everybody else flows along with them. You know what I mean? Chris is going to be Chris. And that's one thing I like about Chris. He's going to give you 20 and five. He's going to give you 22 and six regardless. You know, Connor's going to be aggressive. You know, uh, Peyton's going to knock down a couple of shots, whether he's on or off. He's going to give you a couple of shots. I think when this team is collectively aggressive with Aaron Eunice, giving you 12 or 14 buckets a game, when, when Tony Perkins is giving you 12 or 14 buckets and six rebounds a game, when Chris is getting shots, when Connor's playing well defensively and knocking down a couple of jumpers, Patrick being as well as he is Josh Dix, you know, this team still has the same chemistry as before, but they're finding new avenues to win games. And I think once they kind of find that mesh, it's all going to come out perfectly. Let's
0: talk about Tony Perkins. So your, your nephew has had an interesting uh, junior year mm-hmm. and he's, I, I, I said to you at the outset, I'll just be completely Frank, no mm-hmm. pun intended there. Um, <laughs> totally up front that I think he has been, I don't know, not himself over this past month. And we've had a lot of people say that. I think you've even observed that to an extent, right? right. I go back to November and December and I'm thinking the Seton hall game. I'm thinking the Iowa state game and, and, and it was just almost like an edge that Tony was playing with and his, his desire to find, to seek out contact, which I think makes him special, his physicality, especially when he gets in the lane Mm-hmm. I don't know what the difference is. Certainly the, the scouting report being out on him. That's one thing that uh, I believe it was Wade looking bill mentioned on our show last night with coach close, the scouting report is out on Tony and perhaps that's something now he's got to counter that right. is that, would you attribute some of his struggles in the month of January to teams adjusting to him or is it something else?
1: Uh, I think teams collectively uh, to answer your question, teams don't adjust collectively to any, any star player. I think to become and set your side side outside of the others is always evolutionizing and changing your game. I think for Tony, I think, you know, his confidence right now is still there. I think he just has to find other ways of getting the ball in the basket and still being a team player. You know, sometimes I know as a point guard, which I once was, sometimes you have those deciding moments in your head. Do I pass the ball? Am I assist guy? Is it time to score? Am I shooting too much? And right there, those four questions I just asked myself is the problem. You're thinking too much. I think sometimes you go out there and play your game and give it all you can on the floor each every night will determine how the outcome is going to be. I think the game where he had was at 22. Was that was Maryland? He
0: had yes, 22 at, at home against Maryland.
1: 22 at home against Maryland. Having a game like that to where he flourished. I mean, fast break buckets, mid-range jumpers, getting to the basket, being aggressive, getting the foul and the end ones. Being consistent day in, day out. You have to find your rhythm, you know, and then every game's not going to be the same. You might not get, you know, five, six baskets in the paint. You know, sometimes you might have to knock down two, one, two, threes, get your shot going, get to the paint, get your mid-range going. You got to be an all-around player, be an all-around killer. But I think as the season goes on, we'll see some of the OTP we've been seeing. And make sure you get that merch. When that TP, when he gets them 22, make sure you get the merch.
0: <laughs> that merch. And, and I'll tell you this, uh, to, to support the Claim that Tony has gone through some struggles here prior to Sunday's performance against Rutgers, where he did put up 11 and seven. um, I think what at least six of those points came from the free throw line. I think that's of note, but that also indicates he's being aggressive, which is a good sign. But prior to that game, he had been in single figures for the the previous five games. The one game, one exception was that Maryland game where he looked like his old self. So, you know, it's in him. And as you, you mentioned Josh Dix. I mean, that guy, Ah, uh, he just seems to be steady Eddie. He's going to make open threes. He's mm-hmm. a, he's got good handles for being, I think, it more of an off guard than a point. Right. And you pair him with, as you mentioned, Peyton Sanford when he's hot, and now you have Aaron Eulis playing well. Mm-hmm. This is not a bad backcourt. I mean, people, I think it, people look at Iowa's backcourt and say, oh, "This is why Iowa didn't win the March because they never have, have a good backcourt." I think that's maybe a bit misconstrued. I think that's a bit overhyped. How good can I was backcourt be if all of those guys? And again, I'm talking Aaron Eulis, Tony Perkins, uh, certainly Josh Dix. Now, uh, how good can they be with all of those guys playing their best?
1: Uh, best team in the Big Ten. You know, we're neck and neck right there with with Purdue. You know, and in, in my opinion, because again, no matter how the game starts, Fran, I think collectively for the past four or five games, had at least three or four different lineups that finish each game. You know, we don't see how we once saw when Garza was playing, when we had Bohannon, Wieskamp, uh, Garza, Nunji finishing the game from start to finish. Now we're seeing our normal starting five with, with Tony and Aaron and, and and Connor come into the game. We're seeing Josh Dix and Peyton in the lineup to come the last two minutes in a tight game. That contributes on how good your team is, you know, and that contributes on how good your backcourt is. Again, with Patrick coming back, I mean, again, they're going to be the sky's the limit. So, again, I'm, I'm still hopeful, I'm still faithful that Iowa will pull through come Big Ten, 30 Time.
0: And I didn't mention one guy, I didn't mention is, is Desante Bowen, who, by the way, is going to be really good. I think he's going yeah. through some struggles. Yeah. Um, and you know, he it's that's normal for a freshman, he's going to be the real deal, he is the real deal. Yes. Um, I is. want to ask you about Aaron Euless, Frank, because Aaron came in during the same class as Tony and you and I have had conversations off the air about that class that everybody ripped on. We're talking Keegan Murray, Chris Murray, mm-hmm. Aaron Euless. And all of a sudden you got one of those guys who's, I mean, he's a lottery pick for the Sacramento Kings. He's a starter for the Kings. He's maybe the rookie of the year in the NBA. Um, you know, and then you've got Chris, who's I think going to be a first round draft pick this mm-hmm. next spring. I really do believe that. Yeah. Um, Tony, who's who's starting, Aaron, who's starting, and Aaron, who's really emerging now at class, just a, a fascinating, phenomenal story to take a a word out of the Fran McCaffrey handbook. But talk about Aaron Eulis, Frank, and and his his relationship with Tony, and and how happy are you for him now that he's sorting of emerging on
1: offense. I'm I'm extremely excited for Aaron man. I love the way he's playing. He's playing with the attitude of like you know, there's no reins to hold him back, like just go. I remember talking to Aaron his dad after the game or during the game, talking to his family, and him and the, him and the, his dad and I talk all the time. I mean, we text, you know, we we talk at games all game, and the same thing he's been repeating to Aaron: just go, play your game, don't think, just play. And this is this is the type of ball I love to see by Aaron. I mean, aggressive coming down the court, pushing the floor. I mean, there's sometimes he's pushing the floor in and out, gets the basket, one dribble layup. You know, I like I like stuff like that because it keeps the defense in check, you know, and just sets you know, like, hey, we got to stop this guy because once he goes full speed, there's no stopping him. Same thing with Tony. When he's in full speed in transition, you might get a dunk or or whatever or a kick out to a three for Chris or Peyton. And I love that type of offense. I love fast break, pushing the ball, pushing the tempo, changing the tempo. And that's what Aaron Lewis brings. He changes the tempo for us, you know. And I like his energy right now. I think, and, and to your question about this class, again, you got Keegan got drafted last year. You got Chris going to the pros this year. You may have one or two guys going in the next two years out of that class as well. Again, like you and I talked about backstage, this might be friends, one of his top five all time classes. You know, I think the class of 2020 is one of his best classes bringing into Iowa, you know, and the most underrated.
0: One thing I, I was really impressed with, with Aaron uh, after the Michigan game, I look back and I thought he just, to me, what happened in that game was he took it upon himself to be a lockdown defender. Yeah. And, you know, you, you look at uh, Michigan state's backcourt, maybe the best in the big 10, probably the best in the big 10, you know, Tyson Walker, he's a gamer yeah. and Aaron Uless took it upon himself to defend him, lock him down and deny him the ball. Yep. And I know he played well against Ohio state as well. I know he struggles with turnovers at times. That's still a bugaboo at times for Aaron. But to me, it seemed like that's what helped him to emerge in the offensive end, get him some confidence. And I just can't help but think, Frank, and and you tell me if you think I'm wrong, I've had people ask me, who is Iowa's lockdown defender? Like, they don't have a lockdown defender. Why can't somebody just, why can't Fran recruit that guy who is just, he's in there to lock the other team's best player down? And I can't help but think, Tony can be that guy yeah. I mean he has the athleticism he's 6'4 but he's long dude's mm-hmm. got some of the longest arms I've <laughs> seen 6'2 uh, yeah. guard ever and he's shown he's got the athleticism he's shown the ability to defend um uh, you know be an on-ball defender to that level and you just wonder could that be a way for Tony to kind of just stop thinking Stop thinking about offense. I'm not saying you're you're gonna not play off on the other side of the court, of course, but if you can just go in the game thinking I'm gonna play against the best player here on the other team, I'm mm-hmm. gonna lock him down, whether he's got the ball or not, could that be a spark that he can translate into more opportunities on offense?
1: That is that is you're correctly I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, just being a lockdown defender will create that. You know, defense will turn to offense. I think when he was playing with uh, Bohannon last year. And Keegan, that lineup, I think he was that go to guy defensively. You know, I think his main right. role was the team's best guard. Because again, we saw him against, you know, Trey Galloway um, last year at the Big Ten Tournament. We saw him against Jay Ivey. He guarded Jay Ivey the entire game. You know, even when they played uh, Richmond, I think he guarded Richmond's best team, best guy, you know, coming to the NCAA tournament. He could be that guy. You know, I think now, again, he has to translate to where, okay, I was that guy last year and I can defer to. Keegan, I can defer to Bohannon for the long jumper and, and scoring and also Chris coming in, giving great minutes. I think now he has to understand, OK, I can still be that defensive guy, but also be an offensive monster as well. I think that's just a, uh, a step up. He has to just go ahead and take over and just kind of add that to his game. You know, but again, everybody's coming, coming with them. Aaron's playing well. Josh Dix is playing well. You got DeSante there. You know, if he's whenever you need him, he's ready but i think fran ultimately has his guys ready you know all the way around but tony can be the defender that uh once he puts his mind to it he can do it
0: and of course we didn't mention connor mccaffrey his jump shot is uh almost freakishly improved uh <laughs> and i use the word freakishly because of a, a brush up with a, a southeast louisiana was he a Staff member, do you remember this? Remember the incident last year where the staff member called Connor McCaffrey a freak on social media? Do you remember that,
1: Frank? I I remember hearing something about it, but I don't think I dove too much. A little bit of
0: a scuffle. So I think of Connor McCaffrey. I think it's an endearing term to call him a freak, but he he is freakishly better from three, Uh, and that's one thing that I look at Tony Perkins, who's never that's never been his. I don't think his strong suit per se Mm is his outside shot. He can shoot the three prior to yesterday and again we're recording this on monday the 30th prior to his uh game against Rutgers, where he did make his only three-point attempt Mm -hmm. he was two of his last uh, previous 13 uh, Mm -hmm. shots from three so you just wonder that you know sometimes these things can snowball and teams start playing off you and if you're not knocking those threes down and making them pay aaron euless is a perfect example he's been making teams pay they're not guarding them from three so knock them down and he's not hesitating so uh you know you're just I, the reason I bring this up, Frank, is you just wonder, as I said earlier, when Aaron's playing his best, when Tony's playing, we haven't seen those two guys play mm. their best basketball together.
1: Oh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Just like everybody else is waiting. I think once you get Aaron going and Tony going, it's unstoppable. And I always want to refer back to this game. I think it was their freshman year. I think we went on, like, that 15-0 and run or 18-0 run. I think Fran got pissed one game and put all the freshmen in. I think he took he left Keegan in there. He put Chris in there, Tony, Aaron. I think he put – uh, I think he left Nunji in there with that group. And they went, like, on a 15-0 run. I said, woo, that was a sign then, you know, of what they can do if they put all their heads together. Same situation. You guys are still the underdogs regardless. You know what I mean? Whether you're the – you know, seniors on the team, Otis on the teams. Still have that same underdog mindset. You're trying to get to the next level, and again, once they put their heads together and they play, I mean, again, I was the deepest team in the Big Ten. I'm telling you, and I'm gonna keep saying it over and over and over again, you know, playing together will make a strong bond.
0: And not many people expected here. We're recording this is kind of our mid midway through the conference season type of show. Mm-hmm. Nobody expected Ohio State to be third to last in the Big Ten conference. And, and who's the team right above them but Michigan, or excuse me, Wisconsin and then Michigan? Uh, of course, Iowa's tied with Michigan 5 and 5. Iowa beat Michigan in Carver. Um, mm-hmm. Wisconsin's going to be fighting for the tournament 12 and 8. Michigan's 11 and 10 right now. I, I don't know where the bracketologists, the experts have them. Ohio State's not a tournament team right now at 11 and 10, 3 and 7 in the conference. And then right. you have teams like Penn State, Rutgers, Northwestern, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of teams expected to take a step back, even Maryland. Uh, with a kind of a green coaching staff, um, it's going to be a photo finish because yeah. I checked at one point last year or last month, Frank, and Joe Lennardi had five Big Ten teams in his bubble, mm-hmm. uh, which is just startling to think about. You could have as many as, uh, well, I would assume that would be 11 teams, as many as 11 in and as few as six in. Am I doing the math right on that? Mm-hmm. that that's an incredible discrepancy and it's going to come down to which teams can battle, and depth is going to be an interesting storyline with Iowa because you know, I mean, this, this is the most physical conference in the country, and there is this narrative out there that Big Ten teams struggle in March, and part of the reason is because they're beating up on each other. I know Coach Close does not buy into that. <laughs> How much credence do you give to that theory? You're a, you you live in Big Ten country. I know you played uh, college basketball yourself. How much do you buy into the fact that uh, or the idea out there the, the physicality of the conference and how it's officiated could potentially slow teams down once you hit the tournament. Uh
1: you know, when it comes to the Big Ten um in the NCAA tournament, I'm not I'm not too faithful with to this at that point because I'm gonna tell you why. A couple of things. The style of play that the Big Ten has, we have a half court basketball type of style of play. We have pin downs, we have uh we have, you know, Backdoor screens, we run flex plays. Everything is predicated on the half court basketball, you know, and, and having a great offensive game. I mean, the half court is, is great, right? When you go to the NCAA tournament, you now have officials from different conferences refing those games. You may have an ACC ref, um, you know, refing against Michigan against uh, a Providence. You know what I'm saying? So the style of play is a little bit different from what they're used to seeing and what they're used to calling. Because, again, different conferences may have different rules and regulations on how they, you know, control and dictate the game. So, again, my, my last point to that would be when Big Ten teams play against aggressive teams such as like a ACC or SEC or predicate on up and down constantly, fast breaks, you know, one or two dribbles to the basket, one pass goes to the rim, it, it, it can throw us out of rhythm. It can really throw us out of rhythm. Uh, one coach that adjusted well with that over time has always been Tom Izzo. You know, he's one coach that always adjusted when it came to NCAA time, saying, hey, we're going to stick to our game plan, but defensively we got to get back because these guys are going to try to beat us up at the glass, push the ball off the court, and just try to outrun us throughout the entire game. A lot of Big Ten teams, yes, are talented, but a lot of Big Ten teams don't have the athleticism neither, as these SEC and ACC teams do. You know, some some conferences are predicated towards – the guys that can dunk and run and, and jump and the six, seven guys playing the point six, eight guys playing the point big 10 is just Midwest basketball. You know, you have a guy who's six, one, six, two, he's a point guard. The guy who's six, four, six, five is a two guard, six, seven is the three guard. You know, it, it falls in that, in that ranking. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how Bailey from Purdue going against a six, seven guard from SEC, you know, or, you know, if, if uh, Zach Eady can go against two guys in the post, one guy, six ten, one one guy, six, eight, and they're super athletic, you know, so when the Big Ten goes again to the NCAA tournament, it really comes down to discipline and just understanding. Saying, "Hey, these are our 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 things that we're weak in. These are things that we're good at. Let's continue to put more emphasis on our strengths than win the game." So again, the coach who to do the most adjusting and make those adjustments while while the game is going is going to be the team that goes the furthest representing the Big Ten come NCAA tournament time.
0: I read last night, and this was a credit to a commenter on our post game show with Coach Close that uh, Iowa is one of is it just 11 teams nationally with five quad one wins, five quad one wins. Those are legit quad one wins. And I don't think you're going to lose like Indiana's playing great basketball right now. Yeah, they Um, are, which is ironic because we, you know, you're midway through the season and it's like, okay, it looks like once again, Indiana, you know, they're preseason big 10 favorites and they're (laughs) kind of play second fiddle to, you know, the team across the state at Purdue, but they've won what I think five straight now Purdue has, or excuse me, uh, Indiana has, um, and how about that win for Iowa at home, coming back from twenty-one down? And then, of course, Seton Hall is going to be a really good win on the resume. Clemson, I know they're kind of fringe quad one territory right now. Yep. resume wise, Iowa's got a very odd resume because you've <laughs> got all these quad one wins, but you got a quad four loss to Eastern Illinois. You got a you got absolutely killed against Nebraska on the road. But the resume is just interesting, and with with how the the bracketologist, or I should say, the committee looks at this. It will be interesting to see. First of all, you just got to get in the tournament. Mm -hmm. How do you weigh a bunch of quad one wins uh, versus some really bad losses? Because we haven't had – we haven't ever seen a loss as bad as that Eastern Illinois loss Mm -hmm. is. And it will hurt you come March. It just will be interesting to see to what extent that affects Iowa.
1: Yeah. Um, To answer your question, Corey, I I really don't have an answer for that. I mean, uh, the Big Ten – has notoriously always, you know, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. I mean, the Big Ten is a very, very, very competitive conference. I think all the coaches figure each other out in some way, shape, or form. I mean, we haven't seen a dominant, dominant Big Ten team in a while. You know, I think Purdue right now is probably, you know, the most dominant team in the Big Ten, but we haven't seen a team like this run through everybody since maybe – I mean, uh, as far as I know, the 2001 Michigan State, you know, when they were just dominating, you know what I mean? Just everybody. Um, and by um, the
0: way, I did look, at it, they have 11 – so there are 11 teams in the country nationally that have five or more quad one wins, and we're talking Iowa, TCU, who, by the way, beat Iowa, Kansas State, Iowa State, who Iowa beat, Texas, Xavier, Alabama, Baylor, Arizona, Purdue, Kansas. So quite a – grouping there. Uh you look at some teams who are ranked in the top 5 in the country. Houston, Tennessee, neither of those teams have five quad one wins yet. Um Illinois doesn't have five quad one. It's just an interesting uh fact and you're going to have opportunities at more. I'd have to look to see where Northwestern sits in the net. I'm guessing at home win against them is not a quad one win. Mm-hmm. But uh with Illinois coming to town, Illinois is another hot team right now. They're I believe they've won again, I'm kind of doing this here on the fly. Illinois has won Uh, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, six of their last seven games. Mm. Um, And they're kind of just flying under the radar, right? Like nobody's talking about Illinois, but they've got a 15-point win a couple weeks ago against Indiana. They've beaten Wisconsin by double digits twice in a row. Mm. Uh, I know Wisconsin's not what maybe we thought they were, but they're still Wisconsin. They're going to play defense. And it's hard to win in the Kohl Center. So Illinois is another intriguing one. I just don't remember a more balanced league. I guess that's what I'm coming around to. And mm-hmm. if, if you're ever going to have a year where you have a bunch of quad one wins and some bad losses, it would probably be this year.
1: It would be a year. Absolutely correct. I think this year, definitely an odd year. If you're going to have quad one wins, you know, capture them while you can. Um, I guess, how many, how many games do we have left in the rest of the season? Big 10 games, seven?
0: We're midway, so we got 10. We got,
1: we got 10, 10 games left. left. 10 yeah. games left. I think out of those ten games, we have to have at least a good six quality wins. A good at least six quality wins, you know. To even if we don't necessarily edge ourselves too far to, to the Big Ten tournament, we at least have a chance to get bid into the NCAA.
0: And I know it's hard to, I know it's hard to pick at this point. I mean, like, as any game is? I mean, every game is difficult. It is. But just to run through this real quick, Frank. I got Iowa against Northwestern Tuesday. By the time a lot of people watch this show, that game will probably have been completed. This is going to be released early on Tuesday. Right. I like Iowa's chances against Northwestern. Illinois is a toss-up at this point. I'll take Iowa simply because they're at home. I know it's a sold-out Carver. I agree. Saturday certainly would take Purdue in that one. I got Iowa at Minnesota. Got Iowa against Ohio State at home at Northwestern. Would probably take Northwestern, but again. Um, Traditionally, that's not the toughest road game in the world. At Wisconsin's going to be difficult. You get Michigan State at home, Indiana on the road. I'd certainly take the Hoosiers, and then Nebraska back at home. I don't have any reason if they're five and five right now. I think the the schedule shapes up to where they can be over five hundred, and I think that's all you need to be. I, I don't know if ten and ten. I know Wade, looking Bill on our show last night, made a comment that he believes Iowa at ten and ten. As long as you don't, you know, drop your drawers in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, you're probably <laughs> right. gonna get in. Yeah, uh, but. Ten and ten to me, you got to get eleven and nine to feel comfortable. That's you know, regardless of who you're beating, Uh I think eleven and nine with Iowa's resume does it. Um, Anything under five hundred makes me think they're going to have to win some in the the conference tournament to get in.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. I think uh, to, to 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 piggyback off what you were saying earlier, I think we can get that win at Wisconsin. If you look back at that game, we went to overtime with Wisconsin. I think we'll get them there at Wisconsin this time. We'll get Michigan State at home. I think I'm very confident as well because it was a very close game, and competitively those kids aren't going to let that happen again twice. Um, Illinois, again, I think you and I know that's going to be the bubble game for, 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 for Iowa is Illinois. Purdue, you know, you know. I, I, I hate going to Purdue as a fan, for one. Always.
0: But you go there, right? You how many Purdue games you go just go to one per year? No,
1: I, I've been to I think I've have have i been to Purdue twice when they played Iowa. I think the I played there once. Since I since Tony's been there, they play them once they, they play them again for a second time this time. The thing I don't reason I like going to Purdue is because they put all the parents behind the retired jerseys all the way in the nosebleeds. <laughs> really? They put them yeah. up way up in the nosebleeds. So what they do is, they put if you have more than two tickets reserved per player, they're gonna put the you know the parents behind the bench. The rest of the fans and family will go up into the stands behind the nosebleeds. So you may have a total of every player had their parents there. That both their parents will be there, but the rest of the aunts, uncles, cousins, and just normal Iowa fans are gonna be behind the nosebleeds in the corner. It's the it's the worst place to be if you're visiting Purdue. But again, Purdue is a very tough place to win because I, I knew at the beginning of this year because I have Purdue fans all around me. They sold out at the beginning of the season. They 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 pack you know Mackey Arena. You know they 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 fill that place up. You know so it's a tough place. But yeah, Illinois is gonna be the bubble game for us. I want to pull out Purdue. We pull out Purdue. I mean. <laughs> I think our chance at that point, we might have just to get past the first round of the Big Ten tournament, just make NCAA. <laughs> you
0: know, their, their one loss, their one loss was at home. All right, that was, their one loss was against Rutgers at home, and Rutgers ain't particularly big, although they do have a tremendously athletic five in Cliff uh, Amore. But but uh, it'll be interesting to see how I asked you the same question last year, but how does Iowa defend Zach Edie? Um, Because you right now is Josh Agundale is not healthy. And, you know, Riley Mulvey's played some. In fact, both those guys played in the Big Ten tournament against Zach Eady and were effective in spurts. So, if you get a, a healthy Josh Agundale back, do you see Fran turning to both of those guys in spurts? Do you see them just going exclusively in z- zone? They've obviously been playing a lot of the matchup zone here lately. How do you deal with Zach Eady, given the fact that I was a bit undersized?
1: If we can hold Zach Eady under 20 points, we'll win the game. If we can hold that, well, let me, let me take it back. Let me take it back. If we can hold Zach Edie under fifteen, we can. We have a chance to win the game. But that starts with um, a gun delay and giving some spot minutes by by Riley. You know, I think asking Rabocha to do guard Edie and be offensive dominance is asking for a lot out of him. I think Rabocha does a great job at the position, the job he's given. But guarding Edie and being offensive threat will be a lot on him, and and staying out of foul trouble. That's what a lot of beats go wrong with Edie. they get in foul trouble early. So I think you know Josh coming back, he'll he'll have to come back for that game. I think he'll be ready.
0: Have you heard anything on that front that you can share? I mean, is he? Uh,
1: I I've, I've, I've literally I I've, I've talked to Josh every time I go to Iowa. You know, I talked to him before the game, after the game. We just we chit chat. I mean, he's he's getting better. Um, I know the Ohio State game. I think. I think they wanted him to play, but I don't think he was uh, physically ready at that point. But I think now he's 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 getting his, I think, condition again to get back in the mix. So I think we may see him possibly Illinois to, to, to come back after Illinois. I think once then we'll start seeing Josh get a couple more minutes in there. But if he comes back for Purdue, that'd be great for us.
0: By the way, you mentioned Wisconsin and and how tough it is to play in the Cole Center, I will say this is kind of an anomaly this year. They have the second most home losses of anybody in the Big Ten. They got three games they've dropped at home, so the Badgers are not invincible on the road. Um, and if you're a team like Iowa, that's you know you've you've you dropped one against Wisconsin early in that uh, overtime game. That's one you'd like to steal. Um, and, and if you can protect home court again, you're going to be at least ten and ten. And um, right now they're on pace for that at five and five. Of course, the, the win at Rutgers. Was, I think we're going to look back at that win and say, wow, what a big win at a big time in the season yeah. uh, during the middle of that four game winning streak. So the Hawkeyes will take on Northwestern Tuesday. And of course, we'll have Iowa post game with coach Gary Close following the game. The Hawkeyes have uh, hopefully begun a new winning streak here. Tony, maybe for those who are watching this on Tuesday, give us some keys for Iowa to win. In a, uh, well, at home against uh, Chris Collins and the
1: Wildcats. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think uh, the keys for tomorrow's win, again, will start off by being aggressive from the start. Um, secondly, Patrick coming back will be a great boost coming off the bench. Um, I think if we can have another great game like that against Maryland, I think we'll be we'll be in good runnings. Um, I don't see Northwestern being a big threat offensively with us. I think the keys will all contribute on how well we play. I don't think Northwestern beat us. I think we might beat ourselves if we do have that loss. But ultimately, if we play well, we'll be fine.
0: Post-game following the game. It'll be a BTN game uh, at 8 p.m. Central time. Post-game right here from the Hawkeye of the Storm live on YouTube. Of course, podcasted following the game. How can people get some TP merch, Frank? Tell us
1: about the merch. Uh, the merch was actually Tony's idea. You know, he told me last summer. He said, "Hey, I want to drop a line that kind of represents me and, and my brand." So, we have several action photos. Not actually listed on the website. This was one that was on the website. Uh, the TP11 is actually his logo here. Um, we'll be dropping some merch here before the Big Ten tourney. Uh, we got a, a, a huge lo- uh, launch again right before Thanksgiving. So we we sold a lot of sweatshirts and t-shirts and long sleeve shirts mainly in kids, you know, kids love, you know, T-shirts and little things like that. So um, we wanted to kind of see how the season went for him. Wanted him to mostly focus on, on playing versus, you know, the business aspect, but as the big 10 attorney comes along, you know, we'll go ahead and possibly do another launch. And also uh, I think I might, once I come back on the show again, Corey, if you, if you, if you like me enough, I'll be back. I can show that, uh share that link with everybody and we can get some, something going.
0: Let's do it. We're going to have you on for a post-game show at some point with myself and Coach Close, and we can hopefully be recapping. And Iowa win. And it's uh, getting to the exciting part of the year, right? Footballs. Well, we got the Super Bowl here coming up, right? But footballs <laughs> basically behind us. And then once we hit late February into March, it's it's college basketball. Um it is. it's just sustain us into a long, dull period where you got nothing but baseball, a little bit of NBA hoops still going on. But uh, this next month, the next ten games of the regular season, and then conference tournaments. And the NCAA tournament should be fun. Frank, appreciate you taking the time as always, and you're welcome back here anytime.
1: Thank you, Corey. Love to be here, man. Like to do it again here soon. Thank you.
0: All right, folks. For uh, Frank Henderson, I'm Corey Brada from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Be with us Tuesday night following Iowa Northwestern for Iowa post game with Coach Gary Close.